Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Wednesday night, midweek service, and to praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to see Sister Charity back from her trip. Amen. She was only supposed to be gone a week, I think, and then she enjoyed it so much she extended it. And we, we felt it, Sister Charity. We missed you. Amen. Praise the Lord. I, I pray one day that she's not going to have to move away from us to join somebody else sometime. I'm praying that maybe that somebody might come this way. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We wish that for every one of our young people. We, we, know, we know the Lord leads and guides. Isn't that right? We want leadership of the Lord in our lives every step of the way. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's turn in our Bibles tonight to Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you, musicians. Thank you for those song specials. What an atmosphere is created when we, we sing together, but then we have those that have desired to worship and then sing a song for us. We, we really appreciate it. And uh, I pray that we would have more song specials. You know, uh, we, we're not all professionals. We don't all have to have our voices just perfect. We're to sing from our heart for the Lord. And uh, if you'd like to do that, please do contact Brother Solomon. We sure enjoy it. We love it. You're a real blessing to us. Amen. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Paul the Apostle saying this to the church of Ephesians. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Let no corrupt communication Out from your mouth proceed any sort of vileness, any rotten words, any insulting words. Let there be no name calling. Let there be no sarcasm. Let there be no making fun of one another. Let it not be ever a curse word come from your mouth. Let us not slander one another, and let us not flatter. Lips that do not mean what they say, neither should they speak gossip one to the other. But in all things, let us be truthful. Continuing back in that scripture, it says, That, that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Who are the hearers? You and I. Those of us that are in a family. Those of us that are in a church. We are hearers. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. We can have our seats. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, I, I'm here again this Wednesday night and I, I'd like to maybe tie up some things around this one subject of the focus of family. And um, you know something, I, I appreciate your patience and, and uh, your desire to hear the word of God. And I, I trust that this all is a blessing to you. We've been speaking about family in, in the last few services. And we begin to, and just to kind of summarize and build again so we have a thought this evening. Uh, we want to quickly just say that we are desiring to have a focused family. 
whether it be our natural family or our spiritual family. Uh, we desire that we be focused in such a way, not upon just our jobs and education and what uh, you know we, we can accomplish in life, but we want to focus in our fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Our everyday lives are about fellowship with our Lord. It's, it's about a communication with our Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to have our, our lives renewed daily. That's why we often say we need to read our Bibles, we need to pray, we need to get into the message. We ought to know the person of Jesus Christ. And so our, our strength in our families is our fellowship with God. And sometimes life is busy and complicated. Can you say amen with me? It's sometimes complicated and, and uh, we can lose our love, we can lose our, our passion for the Lord. We can lose our zeal. We sometimes just go through the motions. Um, in our marriages, we can just go through the motions. Even with our child rearing, we go through the motions sometimes. And, you know, if there's ever sickness or pain or some sort of trouble within our families, we begin to recognize how really important all of it is. We begin to recognize if a spouse gets sick and, uh, and love is much more than the outer, it's the inner part. And when we recognize a loved one, our spouse gets sick, all of a sudden we realize how incredibly special and important that loved one is. Our children can sometimes get on our nerves. Come on, anybody that is a parent? Right, they, you know, you're busy with life, and uh, you, you get rolling in things, and and before you know it, your children are asking a hundred whys, and you don't have uh, time to speak and answer the hundred whys. And sometimes we speak words, and we say, "Let it alone," or "I'll tell you later," and and we kind of push them to the side, or we ignore their needs, but. When something complicated has happens or there's a need amongst your children, all of a sudden the focus changes. Then all this outward uh, world and the things that seem to pressure us, they fade away and what important comes into view. And so in our spiritual lives, it's the same. Our focus, our, our, our responsibility, our desires all must come back to our desire for the Lord and our, our focus for the Lord Jesus. And so we want to be a holy people. Can you say amen? amen. Holy people, I would like to say it would be a people that are, are humble. That word, that letter H, humble. A people that would be obedient, oh, a people that would be loving, L, and a people that would be yielding, Y. So we would be a holy people in our lives, in all aspects and all focuses in our lives. Now, our first step to a good communication with the Lord Jesus is to humble ourselves. The prophet of God told us that we have to come the right way, the provided way. And that right way would be to humble ourselves and say, Lord Jesus, if there would be any evil or wicked way inside of us, we repent. Lord, we, we cast ourselves upon the altar and we ask you, Lord, to forgive us of every one of our shortcomings. It's the same in the furtherance of our lives. We humble ourselves to one another. We don't want to come to a place where we're haughty and 
and we're prideful. You know, we spoke some of the, about pride, Brother Mark, in Bible study, and we, re- we really appreciated that uh, discussion last Monday. I, I would like to say that it would be really, really good for some of us to come to Bible study. Uh, you know something, it, it was wonderful. Uh, um, we talked about Hezekiah and, and Isaiah, and, um, and we, we begin to look at Hezekiah's life. And I'm just going to stop here for just a moment. And we begin to look and to see what, what stumbled him, what brought him to a place where he was at the end of his life, kind of not caring, kind of pushing things to the side. And, and I was so wonderfully happy. We had a wonderful discussion, and, and, and the word pride came up. You know something, and we, we talked about pride, and, and Brother Branham says in the, in the message, Brother Mark, influence, he begins to say that Hezekiah's problem, he is sin, he says it right there, was pride. Isn't that something? Isn't that wonderful? You know, I, I, we talked about it, and, and the nature of, I'm sorry who I am, is I can't live things on a, on a cliffhanger. I, I, I have to go, and so I, I, that evening, Sun, uh, Friday evening, I went home, and I opened my Bible again, and I opened my studies, and I went through, and I read through, I don't know how many quotes, and I found it, Brother Mark. Amen. So, pride cometh before the fall. And so, the prophet of God has a, a small little sermonette that he preaches for us to humble ourselves. And then, whenever God asks us to do we need to be obedient to the call, to the vision, to the cry of hum, uh, humble and obedient servants before the Lord. Then we're going to be loving people, and we can touch that just a moment and yielding before the Lord. And this helps us to have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. Now, when we you know, are given in marriage, the reason we get married is because we want to have a relationship. Brother John preached about friendship. The reason we get married is we want to have a friendship. And then we want to have life to come out of our union and our friendship. And so in do, in do so, we need to be in a fellowship in such a way that we are oneness. In oneness with each other. And Christ desires that we be in oneness and in unity with him. Adam said when he looked upon woman, he said, and he, and he looked, and she was of his characteristics. When she was of his nature, which was a, a Christ-like nature, a God nature, he said, this is my bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And they become into a union together. They stepped into, became one. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful picture of love. Friends, we have come into unity with Christ Jesus. We've, you know, he stepped into us and we're part of him. We're we're in his image and we have his mind. Do you have his mind this evening? Whatever his thoughts are, you are projecting even now. We want to project more of the mind of God. You say, Brother Steve, I I fall, I fail. My, 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 My life is not really in the image as God wants to be, but God has taken a picture of your beginning and your end, and what does he see? He sees you in perfection, in unity with him. 
this in-between part where we're going to talk for just a moment about, you know, unity and having no corruptive words. These parts are the, st the, the staggering uh, sort of running uh, obstacle courses that we have in life where we make mistakes, but it's for our perfection. It's for a God guiding and leading us and showing us so that we can become in his image. So let's not be so discouraged. I preach to you in a, such a way where sometimes the prophet of God speaks some hard things and we relay them to you, but it's not to be a stumbling stone. It is to become a stepping stone. It, you know, it's not there for you to jar your toe over and find pain and anguish for weeks after you heard a sermon. No, it's for you to hear and say, Lord, if the prophet said it, then I want to be humble and I want to be yielding and I want to be obedient because of the loving, yielding relationship I have with you. So this is our heart's desire. Now, as we read our scripture today, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Uh, you know, in order to have unity, and we want to speak the last part of this thought today, we, uh, we want to speak about the unity, but it takes a holy atmosphere with our communication to bring unity in our homes and with inside the church. You know, edifying speech. Now, if you agree with what I'm saying today, at least the scriptures and the quotes, you can say amen. amen. You know, edifying speech, it builds others and it lifts them up. It gives them encouragement. It brings them to the place of kindness. And the words that we influence one with another brings us to a, a next a height level in Christ Jesus. Um, you know, we don't want to hear negative words. You know, when you're, when you're raising your kids and, and they, uh, they do something wrong, if you continually tell them how awful they are, they're going to build a complex within their little lives, their little spirits. And they're never going to believe that they can overcome to be better. They're always going to think negative thoughts towards themselves. And as life builds, they're going to bring that also into a relationship with another, with a man or with a woman. Or they're going to bring it into the church. And as they hear the word of God and something spoke to them that's very positive, their ears will take on a negative approach. Because we are all very hardwired towards negative anyhow. And so we want to be able to use our words that will build people up rather than tear them down. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11, I have it in the NIV here. It says, therefore encourage one another and build each, uh, each other up. Therefore encourage. We, we should always encourage one another. You know, um, that was a wonderful song special. Thank you so much. The Lord was blessed. Um, thank you so much. You know, you, you did such a good job cleaning up the kitchen after, after the, the missions uh, outreach program. That was wonderful. Thank you for doing those things out in the encouraging one another. It should not be, you know, we really don't need that, nor do we want that. Or you could play better on the piano, or your song special could have been better. Or think, no, build one another up with words of kindness. Amen. 
Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, Brother Branham, he sorts out that word provokes for us. He says here, provokes their means to encourage. It, it, you know, it doesn't mean to poke and to prod at somebody. We, we don't want to provoke one another. to. We don't want to encourage one another to anger. A lot of times we talk and say, he provoked me. Well, it's not a negative term. We're encouraging you, encouraging one another unto love and to good works. If you see a brother in the church that's got something against the other brother, don't say something to stir that thing up. But say something that will bring them together. <laughs> you know, Brother Branham, you know, when, when there was a little tension in the home, and uh, Sister Mito was a little bit upset, you know, he didn't stir in there and say, what's the matter with you today? Get it together. No, he came out next to her, and he put a little apron on. Sisters, you can say amen here anytime, amen. Uh, amen. Brother Bill, do you put an apron on? Praise God. Put an apron on. And he washed the dishes. Sometimes he would say to her when the kiddies, kiddies were all fussing and complaining and there was chaos in the home and he came home. Now, he was a busy prophet. He had a lot of people coming into the home and wanting to talk to him. But he still had the purpose to try to encourage his own family, his own wife. And he would say to her, you know, I seen a dress down there at the corner. Why don't we just go down and get that dress? You see, sometimes we have to bring in an encouragement. Husbands at work, sometimes, you know, it's, it's, um, it's tiring after a little while to deal with the spirits of the world and depending where you work, maybe, you know, it's, 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 it can be a heartache. And it's very good for when you come home that there would be a sister, your wife there, and she would be able to say, honey, welcome home, and encourage you, and yes. provoke you in love, provoke you into good works. Yes. You know, words are powerful. Yes. Words are powerful. Words are seeds. They go out. They're spread and they're thought about. And words can tear you down or build you up. You know, sometimes we, we, we never in ourselves want to use a mean dialogue to one another, do we? But you know, in anger, it just takes a few minutes to say a few words. And it takes months and months to build it back up again. You know, Brother John talks about money in the bank. But if you spend that money too often and don't replace something there, yes, they're going to come to negative at one point, and it's going to be a crisis for us. So we need to really stop and think about the words that we say. You, you, we really do. And we all from the pulpit to the last person, the last people, really need to think and focus upon the words that we say. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, it says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. Can you, can you see that? A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. 
Do you know how we often offend one another? Is by our words, by our communications, by our sarcasm, by our mixed-tempered words. We got to watch, take a pause. Somebody texts you something. You got to take a pause. Sometimes read your text two or three times before you press, press send. Because it is amazing what kind of attitude you can send out through the data lines out to the next person's phone. And you maybe didn't really mean it in the state you put it in, but it is read in such a way that the next person goes, Woo! What was that all about? So it's very important to just really temper your words. Think it through before you, you say a word to encourage your wife negatively. Um, it's not always good when your wife asks you, how do I look? You say she looks terrible. Well, Brother Steve, I'm just being honest. You know, a, a sister can be hurt. She spent all that time to fix up her hair and look all beautiful. And, and one little word in sarcasm, you don't even mean it, but in a sarcastic way, you think you're funny. Can really hurt somebody for a length of time. And it's really hard to get back those words once you have said them. You see, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And with increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. The tongue. We need to learn how to bridle our tongues. Both in our natural lives and in our church lives, we need to learn what to say and when to say it and how to say it. You know, I'm just going to, on the behalf of the ministry you know, if you have a, a, a critique or you have, uh, you have something to say that is corrective, we receive. But at least give us 24 hours. I, I, I'm not going to tell you why, because we, we give out our heart here at the platform. And our spirit is wide open and very vulnerable. We leave the platform, and we would like to retreat to our office, but we feel in our hearts a shepherd to mingle around the sheep so that you could have prayer or, or we could meet your need. But if you come with words that would be, that would be strong, it attacks our wide-open spirit and does not give us the opportunity sometimes to relay a proper message to you. And so sometimes we need to think of when we approach something, how we approach it. The same with our, our home life. You know, if there's a really stressful situation with the children, you need to look to see why are they stressed? Why is the daughter stressed? Why is the boy shut up in his room? What's going on before you go in and tear it up and, sin and, and stir things up like we like to, brothers? Because we're fixers. I'm, listen, I, I, the feel-good stuff I leave to my wife. I'm ready to fix. She's got a problem. She expresses the problem. Guess what I do? I'm fixing it. I mean, there's no other way. Just fix the problem. Get on with life. 
No, that's not how everybody wants to be that is of the opposite nature that I am. They, they want you to identify a little while in the sorrow and the misery. And the sister said, they, they want you to hear a little bit of the lamenting. And why is it this way? And you have to say, yes, honey. That's right. I, yes, I understand. Can you mentally man that like to hunt and fish and gut deer? Can you step back when your wife is in need like this and step back and say, yes, dear. Oh, and honestly mean it. I caught your spirit right there. <laughs> Truthfully, honestly mean it, brothers. I, that you want to pay attention to her need. In a parable sin, Brother Brandon would say this, and if you see a brother getting out, uh, your brother getting out of the way, go to him and, and be reconciled with him if you can. We should never stew in church. Sometimes we don't, honestly, we don't like how things are. We're human. We, we don't like how things sometimes are in operation or we would like something done a little different way. But friends, we should never stew about it. We should never hold it against another person. If we have something in our heart, we should just bring it forward to the Lord and say, Father, would you help that person? You know, they don't see themselves. They, they don't know how they're acting or responding. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, reveal it to them? And then if it still persists, it's a, it's a direct uh, anger towards you and that person. Go and make it right. Go speak to them. You know, every single one of us want to be right, don't we? My heart wants, I want to make the rapture. And so I don't want to have any, any, any harboring one to another. So reconcile with him if you can. That's right. That's what we got to do. And friends, if you ever, what, uh, what are you doing if you, you don't do that? You're only making yourself a miserable creature and not a Christian. We want to be Christians. We need to consider now our speech, as I said, no corruptible words. But, you know, body language is an amazing thing. And uh, we all are really good readers of body language. You know, you can be standing at the counter listening to your wife and be a million miles the other way by just your body language and how you react. And you can show that your sensitivity to one to another is not there. And I'm going to read you a quotation now that shows the truth of it. You see, before I read it, I want you to notice that we, we are people that live in a world where Satan is pushing at us. So tonight, I'm going to look at all of us, and we are all Christians. We all love the Lord. And we want all a better life, both naturally and spiritually. So we get pushed around, we get bumped around, we get jostled around with all these life's challenges. And uh, in so much doing so, our, our speech our becomes sometimes in our body language. They involuntarily reveal the inside of our hearts. 
um, you don't even know where that came from. All of a sudden, you express yourself in some way, and you don't even know why. You know, fortunately, I, I think my wife can only count how many times I've yelled at her on two hands. But, well, it's a little bit too much, two hands. But I just wanted to say, sometimes we involuntarily get mad at each other. And we might shout at each other. But you know what? Men and women, children to the family, we're shouting at the very people we love with all that's in us. I mean, if somebody, I mean, you go overseas to where they're bombing, they're protecting their family. You and I, uh, uh, listen, you, you do something to my, my, me, you might get away with it. But to my wife and to my children, suddenly the, the bear comes out of us. Because they're our children. They're our wives. But somehow, in a split, split moment of an of a explosion, we will use words. We'll use involuntary actions. That will cost us dearly. And so now here in a quotation, I want to give you an example and a good example. Brother Branham says, being led by the Spirit. I don't have it on the screen. I'm sorry. But Brother Branham says it like this. I like real love, genuine love. Something that you can feel. That's wonderful. A love that you can feel. Paul Rader said one time, said, Brother Billy, I was leaving my wife one morning, said she was sitting at the table, and I got I kind of got on the wrongs uh kind of got on the wrong side of the bed. And I had said something to her, I know that hurt her feelings. So he's expressing himself that he he actually had this split second uh uh Poor attitude, got up on the wrong side of the bed. How many's ever got up on the wrong side of the bed? No angels tonight. <coughs> wrong side of the bed. Amen. And he heard her feelings. He said, and I never apologized. She said, Paul, will you go with me somewhere tonight? And he said, I can't do it. And just went on like that. She just wanted to do something. She just wanted to be a couple. She just wanted to talk. She just wanted to share. And his response, because he was not in the attitude or he's in a never mode or he got on the wrong side of the bed, he said, I can't do that. And he walks out the door. I never apologized. She said, Paul, oh, sorry, can we go someplace? He said, no, I can't do it. And just went on like that, said, I was just in a meeting had me all stirred up, and I had to go to the office and said, you know how a fellow gets? I went out the door and said, she always met me at the door and, and kissed me goodbye. She was standing there, and when I kissed her, I said goodbye, and she said goodbye, and walked out on the edge of the gate and said, when I closed the gate, I looked back. Said she was always waves goodbye at me and said, I turned around and looked and I said goodbye and she said goodbye and said, I went down the street and I began to think about it. Oh my, how can I stand it? What if something happened me to me today? That's my sweetheart. I looked and said something I oughtn't to. 
I said his heart got to swelling big and turned around and run back in real quick, jerked open the door and walked around. I heard someone crying. She was standing behind the door crying. And I, and I said, uh, and said he looked around and grabbed her by the shoulders and, pull, uh, and pulled her around, kissed her as big as he could like that, walked out and shut the door and went to the gate and said goodbye. And she said goodbye, just like, like she did the other time, but the last time had a feeling in it. So that's the way it is about knowing Christ. Okay, did you get all the good nuggets in there without me going back? If you don't all say amen, we're just going to go back. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you're in a rush to get this over with. <laughs> it's got to be a come to a place that we recognize we're wrong. We have to have the, enough of the Spirit of the Lord in us to recognize that we did not use a good word. We used, we used corrupt language. We used corrupt body language. We treated somebody incorrectly, whether it's the natural, with our marriages, or in the church, or even to the Lord Jesus. Sometimes we, we, in our attitude, we don't pay the attention we should to the Lord Jesus. We walk out the door without saying a word to him. We, 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 we don't even spend time to read his love letter to us. We just take our thoughts and move them along in the day. And then when we really feel like we have need, then we're calling 911. But let me tell you, you got to start building your well before you're thirsty. You got to build a relationship with Jesus. You got to spend time. You got to nurture it. Okay, you, you brothers, you want affection from your wives. You, you want to have that intimacy with your wife. Uh, you got to build something all day long. You can't come home with harsh words or, or ignoring one another. You can't come in this place and figure, well, you know, I'm the man of the home. I get what I want. And you stumble in and you're just strong and you take what you want. And you'd have your dinner and all those kind of things and think household is going to be good. No, you have to be thoughtful. You have to be thoughtful with your mind and your body and your spirit and your nature. Both men and women need to be thoughtful to one, one another. Marriage takes work. 150% of each person needs to put the effort in in order for their lives to work and their families, their children to be strong. You're, right, you're always teaching, you're always showing the children what, how, and when the family works together well. So genuine love, it brings unity. Psalm chapter 133 verse 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. Unity. I, I was thinking of examples, and I, and I come across an example today, and, I, I, and if I could have found some sticks, I would have to give you an image. But if we would take a, 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 a thicket of sticks, and we would wrap them up with a three-quartered, and we would take them before you, and we would try to break them, the unity of the sticks would cause a very hard break. You could not break it well. Do you understand? The, the, the unity of all the sticks together tied with a, a, a three-cord of love cannot be broken easily. 
But if you take that cord off, you take off that fellowship with the Lord, you take that out of your likes, you take that one stick, it's easily broken. There's another illustration I like to give is, I, I, you know, I read that someone once said that Christians are like snowflakes. Now, we don't have too many around here. I'm familiar with snow. But when we get some snow around here, you know, Christians are like snowflakes, somebody said. Individually, a snowflake is uh, isn't not a very, uh, uh, it's a very insufficient thing. But when you put enough of them together, it can stop traffic. So this is the unity that we need to have when we say, you know, it's good for us to dwell in unity. Now, when we think of unity, it doesn't mean that we all, you know, dress the same, look the same, you know, like the same things. No, there's something in unity that binds our hearts together, and that is who? Jesus Christ. If you're out of fellowship with Christ, you will find yourself in disunities with somebody else. But if we're all in one heart, in one accord, in a fellowship with the Lord, what happens? We get back into unity. Brother Brandon would say it like this, come and see. He says, we want to have unity in, in God's people. They must have it, friends. We are brethren. We might, <clears throat> might different from one another, but we're still brothers. The brother next to me is tall, lightheaded, heavy set, big, chunky built, uh, puggiest type boy. And he says, if God has accepted me with my peculiar ways, and you with yours, we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. No matter where we go to church, can I say that again? You know, we're in this church, we're, we're very fortunate to hear words like, you're welcome to go wherever you like to go to church. And there won't be no attitudes held. You just go and you serve the Lord. That is amazing. That draws people to want to come to a place to worship where they're not held or bound. They want just to worship and serve the Lord Jesus. The prophet of God says here, no matter where we go to church, the thing of it is we have been filled with God's spirit. That's it. That's the main thing. And believe him. In 1 Corinthians 110 it says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. But brother Steve, I thought you said we're individuals. This mind is not our mind. This mind is the mind of Christ. When we step into unity with Christ, then we begin to think like the Word. Then our actions are like the Word. Our conduct is like the Word. And when our Word-based lives are working, there is no division amongst us. Because it's the Word first. It's the Word speaking. That's what joins us together. So we have maturity, and, and maturity brings about unity in the bo body of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, 
It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That, that is the first in personal lives. You've got to be worthy of this calling. I, you know, we pray, and I think you pray regularly, Lord, let me be worthy of this word. You know how fortunate I feel. One in a million. You ever heard that message? One in a million. You know, some of us, the Lord has called us out of bad lives, really far out of lives that were, you know, drugs and alcohol and all kinds of things brought us out of. Some of the Lord has called us out of denomination. Some of the Lord has called us from right from a pew where we sat day in and day out, Sunday to Sunday, in, the, in a message church. God has called us. But the important thing is that he's taken us and has made us prisoners of his. That's where we're called to this union and, and, and unity. And, and Paul is saying, I urge you that, you that you live this life. Now, in order to live it, you need to recognize where you came from and be really thankful. And never forget, if you forget where you came from, you get calloused. You know, we, we were listening on Monday, we, we were listening. And sometimes we get calloused as we heard the, we have such good homes and we have good livelihood and we've got food on our tables and a bed to sleep in. And uh, you know something, we forget other folks that don't have such good things. Um, but let's say you came from a place where you didn't have so many good things and you didn't have a bed to sleep in. But now God has put you in a place where you have a nice bed to sleep in. You have a roof over your head. You have food on your table. You, you have a little bit of money that you have to be able to spend now around Christmas time. You thank God for it. Don't forget the times where you were living somewhere else. Maybe you lived in sin. Maybe you lived in such a way that was in, you know, in a real bad situation. Don't forget, friends. You don't have to wallow there, but don't forget where God brought you from. Because there might be somebody that come right in the church. Don't use evil communication or vain words or, or body language against people that come into the church that need help. I mean... If a drunk comes into the church, an addict comes into the church, the deacons know to place them in the back row so they can't make a disturbance. The deacons are there to protect you from it, but the Holy Spirit will come down. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Amen. It will come down and, 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 and save that soul that's crying for help. They're in alcohol. They're in drugs, not because they just desire it. No, there's something they're trying to drown out in their lives. Some sort of something that has hurt them down the way and has caused them to go down the path. I, I think of the man of Gadara. You know, the disciples must have thought, man, Jesus, why are you going up? There is a, there is a lunatic up by the graveside. And he is so dangerous, so dangerous, that he can rip chains. And he's a danger of killing others. Yet Jesus goes all the way up there. And he begins to, to, to speak to the man. And the demons that are inside the man call out because Jesus is rebuking them. And they call out, now don't, don't cast us down. Let us go into the pigs. Remember the story. 
I believe that same Jesus is in the building tonight. See, we got to start believing like the same Jesus is in our hearts. But I'm afraid. But no, don't be afraid. The same Jesus is walking with you. We don't want to be careless. We want to use godly wisdom. Amen. We just don't want to take ourselves out at midnight and go down someplace, you know, amongst the homeless where, where they're looking for some disadvantage or vantage. No, 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 friends. We don't want to do that. But when they come into the house of God because we've called and invited, friends, let's not be afraid. There are people that are going to come in our midst that maybe have HIV. There might be people that come have many diseases. This is a 911 spot. This is what we've called it to be a house of prayer, a place where folks get help. And so we need to be open in our hearts, even if we take communion, that you're not going to just get sick. Because the healer is in the house. Brother Steve, you're just talking real spiritual tonight. This is where we got to come in our faith with Christ Jesus, a, a unity with Christ, that we're not worried about the outside things. Christ is the focus, and he's inside of our lives. The scripture continues to say, be completely humble and gentle and be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Shalom. Prophet of God preached the message, shalom. We need to come to the place where it's a peaceful atmosphere. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over and through all and in all. He's in you, in all, in of everyone, all. So it is super important, as you can see, that the Father, God, the Father, the Logos life needs to be on the inside of you functioning. Now, we, we, we need to learn how to minimize friction. We need to learn how to create an atmosphere. You see, we're creators. We're creators of atmosphere. So, you know, you can get friction for nothing. Friction comes very easy. But harmony has a little cost, and it takes you to have courage. It's the cost of courage and the cost of self-control in your life. In order for there to be harmony in your being, in your home, and in the church. So we need to work on being unified with Jesus Christ. You say, how do I do that? In prayer, friends. We tear down the walls in prayer. Um, we pray, but I think we could pray more. I would never take away any of us our prayer line. I wouldn't want you to take mine and say it's not enough. I know it's not enough. But we need to do more. We need to challenge ourselves. You know, the flesh doesn't want to reach out and pray. 
the, the flesh really finds it hard, hard. You know, it's hard to build faith muscles in prayer. I mean, it's a lot of work. You know, I, I attended a few times with Sister Lael. You know, she's, a, she's strong and she's athletic and all those things. I mean, we, I, I went with her a couple times to try to be athletic. You know, when I was a youngster, I'd lay down on that, that, that table thing, you know. And I don't even know what to call it anymore. Bench press, yes, thank you, sis. Oh, we'd put weight on there and we would, <laughs> when we would push. You know something, now I, I went over to the, that, that bar, you know, and it's 25 pounds, and I looked at it, and I thought, Lord, how am I going to lift that thing? <laughs> My daughter's standing there, oh, Dad, you know, she's thinking I'm real special, you know. Well, I hope she did. And so, you know, you go and you put a couple pounds on each side, and you start working, and as you start working, all of a sudden, all the muscles you haven't used for a while, it gets kind of painful, especially the next day or the third day. Oh, you've all been to the gym too, I see. Praise the Lord, we're all working on our health. But it gets painful. It's not easy. And, uh, you know, it's a poor example, but building faith and building our prayer life, and it's just not easy. If it was easy, we would be all wonderful prayer warders. And I mean, nothing would stand in our way, but it's not easy. The heavens get to be like brass, and our minds get to wander, and, and, and you know something, some things that are never important are come so important. I mean, I don't like cleaning the car at all. Amen, Sister Hannah. I don't like cleaning the car. But you know, when I get down in prayer, man, I get ambitious. <laughs> Suddenly the car, man, that looks good, you know, I mean, that. Anybody else like me? You know, you think of all kinds of things. Then you get down to pray for a while, and, man, you feel like, you oh, you prayed, and you felt really like you got breakthrough, and then you peek out of your one eye and look at the clock, and you realize that you've been three minutes in prayer. <laughs> wow, I broke through. I just had the anointing. And you're like, open your eyes, and suddenly you're completely discouraged. Nonetheless, we need to begin to work at it. Take some time. Get on your knees or stand before the Lord. Focus your attention upon the Lord. Become in one mind and one accord with the Lord Jesus. And then unity in this presence will come about. We need to be in unity with the Lord Jesus. I'm going to at least read this last quote because we need to finish and tie this all together. In the message in Hebrews chapter 1, the second last uh, slide, I believe, Brother Brown would say, how we lose our experience with God is because, uh, uh, we, uh, because we disunify. We disunify the body of Christ. We should never be divided. We might differ in ideas. But let, let's be heart-in-heart uh, heart heart brothers. God wants us to be. He died for the entire church of God. Now, let me just stop there for one second. He died for all the believers. Um, it doesn't matter 
where they are. But I don't agree with them. That doesn't matter. He died for us all. Well, that next door neighbor says they're a believer, but they sure don't act or live like a believer. He died for us all. If you've got an attitude, body language, corrupt words that, that, that won't express kindness to your neighbor, how will they know that this truth is even the gospel? Uh, Brother Brown would tell us in a quotation that I would have, he would tell us you, you don't even know your neighbor next door. Um, you, you know, he talks about a, 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 the type of world that we're in. We, we just don't even go out and shake one another's hands anymore to meet anybody. We just rush by everyone. No kind words. I, I wonder if you could make it a, a, a something to do this next part of the week. You go to the grocery store. Try smiling at somebody as you walk by. Well, they'll think I'm nuts. Well, anyways, you're nuts anyways. I mean, we're, you might as well give some kindness. Right? You'd be surprised when you walk by someone and you smile how they open up. And then maybe you might say to them, you know, how are you doing today? Oh, at the cashier. Oh, uh, 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 they say, uh, 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 I'm, I'm fine. And then they, you know, they legitimately do a good job. You say, you know, you did a really good job. Thank you. Well, what about the person? I've been in a, you know, I've been in the, 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 the store and you know, I, I went into the restroom to wash your hands, you know, and there's been a, an elderly gentleman that, you know, needs a job, and he, he's there, and he's mopping the floors, and uh, nobody really wants to do a public space cleanup. Why not stop for just a moment and look at that gentleman in the face and say, you know what, that's an undesirable job, and nobody wants to do it, but thank you for doing it. Oh, but they get paid, Brother Steve. Yeah, but they deserve some kindness. Open yourself up. You never know when you might be able to say a word of testimony to about Jesus Christ. And the word of testimony of Jesus Christ might lead into what God has done for today. Then you have a world of opportunity to speak about it, and maybe they'll come into unity with Christ. But let's not just be closed up units. My wife, my husband... My family, my church, my Jesus, not for anybody else. That's not how this gospel is supposed to, to work. I, I would reflect now in closing at Brother Branham's attitude. You see, Brother Branham said, come out of her, my people. And he hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans and the organizational spirit. But never one time did he hate the people. Even to his last messages, he was very sharp and very, you know, uh, 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 speaking very aggressively. Come out of her. Don't be joined with her. But he would tell us over and over again, friends, that we draw the circle bigger. When we show this kindness, when we show this love, when we show this, this desire to have some... Uh, uh, even a human unity with somebody, we are expressing our love relations of Jesus Christ to them. And they begin to ask questions. And you're able to give answers because you too are in the unity of Jesus Christ. 
So friends, let's be focused. Let's focus ourselves. It's the last comments and I'm closing. 903. Wrapping it up. Let's be focused. I called it focused family. I mean, I, I haven't even touched the surface on what it could be to be a focused family and go down the lines of each family. Maybe the Lord will take us some other direction, some other brother John, some directions. But I, my heart was to speak to you that we need to be focused. A focused family, whether it be homes or church, in the fellowship of oneness and unity in Jesus Christ. If we do so, we're going to thrive. And not only thrive here upon this earth, but we'll have a heavenly kingdom to go for eternity. Because we're acting like Christ. We're motivated by Christ. Because we have the mind of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that in these words that were spoken over these last few services, we're not become, Lord, just words that we throw off our back, but maybe there'd be something, Lord, in there that we could use along the journey. Lord, I've been to many services or what we called retreats or couples times or family time where brothers have ministered to us around these issues and these things and Lord, we, we listened with open hearts and we received. And I can say, Lord, those things have helped us along the way in our lives, in our relationships, one to another, even the church. So, Father, I pray, oh God, that something that would have been said in these times of fellowship over these, these meetings that we've had, may it be something that would stir our hearts to live a better Christian. We're looking forward to your coming, Lord. Oh, what a day that will be when we shall see you face to face. This is what we're longing for, Lord. The prophet of God would tell us, I can hear the, I can hear the, the wheels turning the, on the buckboards coming down the road. It's so close. So we preach these messages that have to do with everyday life so that we can be ready for a com your coming. Help us, Lord, I pray. Help us, Lord, I pray. I wonder if you'd stand with me tonight. and Let's sing the song Sister Hannah has chosen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and... I wonder... If you can just think about him for just a moment and just think about how much you love him. Real, genuine love. Think about how much you love the Lord Jesus. You've taken all this time on Wednesday night to come. Possibly the young people have had homework and they put it aside and they're here. Men and women had things to do and they put it aside and they came. Why? <laughs> Not to hear the foolishness of a man, but Lord, they wanted to be with you. They wanted you to speak to their hearts, Lord. So tie all the pieces together, Lord, tonight. and May you speak to their inner being, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.